0: covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley.
1: We do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us. Another week's worth of talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. Before we go any further, our normal housekeeping items here at the top of the program. If you do listen to the podcast via Apple Podcast and can subscribe and leave a ranking and review. That would uh, be a very helpful thing. We would appreciate that. Uh, Also, do want to say hello to everybody who is listening to us on all over the air terrestrial radio on 540 ESPN as part of uh, Doug Russell's Pod Center. So hello to everybody. Uh, This is a podcast that you can find, by the way, on uh, iTunes or uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever you call it, Stitcher. You can also find it at WTMJ.com in case you don't always catch it here uh, during the pod center and also want to say if you want to get in contact with me best way to do so is via twitter find me on twitter at matt Polly on air m-a-t-t-p-a-u-l-e-y on air all right this week uh, on the program we are going to be joined by kyle loebner let me get this um, this disclaimer out of the way real quick spoke with kyle loebner on sunday evening But I spoke with him prior to the news that Lorenzo Cain finally won a gold glove. So just keep that in the back of your mind as you are uh, listening to my conversation with Kyle Loebner in a bit that uh, the reason we're not talking about Cain's gold glove is because he didn't have a gold glove when we conducted the conversation uh, what was uh, early in the evening on Sunday or later in the evening on Sunday, Lorenzo Cain won the gold glove. And we start with that. Lorenzo Cain had never won a Rawlings Gold Glove Award. And he had another fantastic defensive season uh, in terms of bringing home runs back. Pretty much nobody better in baseball than him. It got to a point where every single time he made a fantastic defensive play, which was a very normal thing, you could hop on social media and find a lot of different people tweeting about the fact that he did not have a gold glove. Probably nobody, in, but not even probably, I'll just state it. There was nobody in baseball who had never won a gold glove who was more deserving of winning. He, he should have multiple gold gloves to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, but he finally got it. He finally got it on Sunday night. He absolutely deserved it, and now the question is, is he going to get the Platinum Glove? He also, earlier in the week, won the award from the uh, Fielding Bible. Uh, that's the, uh, the the Baseball Info Solutions people, the, uh, the group that's uh, led by Bill James. He won that for the second year in a row which is uh which is very cool. He became the first player in the history of the Fielding Bible Awards to win the center fielder award in a uh, back-to-back season. So a good week, a very good week for Lorenzo Cain and certainly a uh, very well deserved honor for him to uh to win that. As we start off the program and we'll get into some of the news of the week here in just a few moments, but it was no shock but this past week uh, catcher yes, Monty Grandal and third baseman Mike Moustakis, uh both elected free agency. Uh, they had mutual options with the clubs. They turned down their side of the mutual option, and they become free agents. The Brewers, I'm sure, would absolutely love to have both players back. I think if they really want Mike Moustakis back, they can probably get him. Uh, there's a little bit more in terms of his position group out on the free agent market. He might also be stuck in another situation like last year. You know, last year he was kind of waiting on Manny Machado to sign because a lot of teams that were interested in Machado also kind of had that secondary interest in Moustakis. And it might be the exact same thing this year as the Anthony Rendon sweepstakes play out. So they're there seems to be interest in Moustakis being back with the Brewers, and I just I would get the sense that if both sides are interested in making that happen, that it can happen. Now, last year they waited for it to play out a little bit. I think Moustakis uh, wanted to see how the market would play out, and at the end of the day, the one-year deal he got from the Brewers made the most sense for him. Yes, Monte Grandal is a different, different animal in the sense that He's by far the best catcher that's available out there on the free agent market, and his skill set as a catcher is very unique in terms of the offensive numbers he can put up. Generally, you don't get a lot of offense from the catcher's position. Grand Dog gives you a bunch of offense. It makes him a very, very valuable player. Now, on the other side of it, and what teams are going to be weighing and what teams are going to kind of be judging out, is how many years you can give him a contract and feel very comfortable with who he is going to be on the latter portion of that deal, as a guy who is into his thirties, early thirties, thirty, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be mid thirties right there at the end of a potential four-year contract. Our team's going to be interested in that. Uh, if if maybe some non-contenders are willing to give him a four-year deal, could the Brewers maybe come in with a three-year deal? boost annual average value a little bit and also know that he's got some future at first base, maybe at the end of the deal. I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing at this point. But I feel like with Mustakis kind of if they want it to happen, if everybody can get on the same page, it seems like the path to Mustakis being back in Milwaukee is less bumpy than the path to Grandal being back. That doesn't mean they both can't be back. That doesn't mean the Brewers can't afford for both of them to be back. I think for both of them to be back, plus for them to probably bring in as many of the arbitration eligible players as you would expect them to tender, it would it would absolutely create a situation where they would increase payroll. Based off the numbers that are out there, the T V money that's coming in, things like that. Look, I'm not I don't know the Brewers' books, I'm not in the front office. I, I I don't know what it looks like, but it feels like they're in a position where they could expand payroll if they needed to. I think bringing back Grandall and Mustakis, and also having all those arbitration-eligible players get raises, including somebody like Josh Hader, who's probably going to get a raise of somewhere between four and $5 million, that's going to create uh, the team being forced to spend more money. And they had the highest payroll in club history this past season – I don't really see a scenario where they do not increase that going into next year and and, and have another record for that. And the other side of this, and I'm, I, I think I've mentioned this probably on the last two or three podcasts, and I'll keep harping on it. If Mike Boustakis doesn't come back, if Yasmani Grandal doesn't come back, you still need to have players to, to catch. You still need to have players to play third base. And I don't think the club's going to be comfortable just handing the job to Travis Shaw, and just assuming that he's going to have a bounce back season. If Shaw's still on the roster, if they uh, if they do tender him a contract, go to arbitration, come to a deal, whatever it might be, uh, there's got to be some level of competition for that third base spot with Travis Shaw if Mike Mustakis isn't around. That's not going to cost nothing, and so they're still gonna they're going to be forced to spend some money at catcher, and they're going to be forced to spend some money at third base, whether the people they're spending money on are Mike Moustakis and Yasmani Grandal, or one of those players, and one other player, or two new players, like whatever it is, there's going to be money that is being forced to be spent because you know the production that you got out of those guys last year, and the idea is to find a way to, if you can't get those guys back, find a way to replicate as much of a percentage of of that production as you possibly can, so that's that's where they're at, and it um I think the grand all sweepstakes you know there's kind of that first tier of free agents who are out there with Anthony Rendon and with Garrett Cole. And I think Steven Strasberg's going to re-sign with the Nationals. I know he opted out of his contract. It, it's literally going to take him signing with another team for me to believe that he would sign with another team. I just think he's going to get it done with the, the Nationals. So while he's technically a free agent, I kind of don't even view him as a free agent at this point. I'm sure general managers around baseball have a, uh, have a different take, and his agent probably has a different take on that as well. And then there's kind of that second tier of free agents and – Grandall is probably on the top of the list of that second tier. So that's where, that's where it's at. Free agency is going to open. There's going to be a lot of moves uh, to be made. And I just I continue to think this is one of the most compelling off seasons that David Stearns is going to have in his time with the Brewers when you look at the competitive window that the team is at. the players like these two, Grandon and Moustakis, who are uh, free agents, and the holes that they are going to create if they're not brought back, all the arbitration-eligible players, uh, there's just there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of moving parts, and how it all plays out is certainly going to be a very, very interesting thing. Again, coming up on the program this week, a conversation with Kyle Loebner, but let's get to this week's Headlines of the Week.
0: It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week there was with Matt's Headlines of the Week.
1: First off, the items that we have already mentioned here in the course of the podcast. As on Sunday night, we found out that Lorenzo Cain won the gold glove, his first gold glove, which is just incredible that he has not won one. But a, a wrong has been righted. He should probably have multiple gold gloves in his career. He doesn't. Now he has an opportunity to go for multiple gold gloves. But at the very least, he gets the gold glove and uh, certainly that was a well-deserved honor for him. Baseball Info Solutions earlier in the week had given him uh, the uh, Fielding Bible Award at center field. He wins it for the second year in a row. Fielding Bible Awards, it's uh, not an American League, National League thing. It's just straight up all of baseball. And the Platinum Glove is the one last thing they'll be given out. And we'll see if he wins that. Uh, mention also the free agents as Yasmani Grandal and Mike Moustakis both uh, turned down their mutual option. They become free agents. The other players from the Brewers who are scheduled for free agency and are now free agents, pitchers Matt Albers, Gio Gonzalez, Jay Jackson, Jordan Lyles, and also Drew Pomerantz. I would think that uh, there would certainly be interest, interest in Jordan Lyles coming back Wouldn't be shocked to see them maybe engage with Gio Gonzalez uh, to come back. I would think Matt Albers would probably move on, maybe Jay Jackson. I'd be surprised to see Drew Pomerantz back. I just think he made so much money with his performance down the stretch for the Brewers that uh, he's going to end up finding a way to uh, cash out. So after all those moves happened, the 40-man roster was at 31. It went to uh, 32 when the team selected pitcher uh, Angel Padermo from AAA San Antonio. So he has been added to the 40-man roster. And that gives you an idea of everything that's happened over the course of the last week. Every week as we do this, we're probably going to have some roster moves, some roster tweaks, things like that uh, as the offseason continues
0: to move forward. Those are this week's Headlines of the Week. After every Brewer's game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now.
1: Brewer's X-rays, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. We're very happy to welcome back onto the podcast Kyle Loebner. You can uh, read him Uh, in the Shepherd Express. He is uh, part of the media team, I guess you could say, with the Timber Rattlers uh, website, with what uh, he does over there, along with uh, Timber Rattlers broadcaster, uh, Chris Marion. A lot to get into with Kyle Loebner today. Kyle, always appreciate your time. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good. Um, Let's start with this. World Series has come to an end. Baseball's off-season is officially here. Is there anything from the postseason and maybe specifically the World Series that you saw that impacted anything in terms of the way you view the Brewers? It's a very broad question, but uh kind of localizing the World Series to the Brewers, was there anything that you noticed that kind of gave you maybe an aha moment about the Brewers?
2: You know, I, I don't think so specifically. I mean, I, I think that the, the storylines that you could take away from this postseason. Um, really have a lot to do with who made it and who advanced. And I'm not sure it's entirely indicative of, you know, what it takes to be successful in baseball right now. I mean, when you look at the Astros and the Nationals, you're looking at two teams with very good starting rotations. I don't think that was a secret. You know, certainly anytime you have uh, Verlander, Cole, and Greinke in the same pitching staff, you have a pretty good shot to experience a lot of success with them. And similarly, You know, with Strasburg and Scherzer and Anibal Sanchez and Patrick Corbin, um, that was a pretty good run as well. But I don't know that it's necessarily indicative that those kind of teams are the teams that win. I think those are just the kinds of teams that won this year. Because if the Dodgers had gone to the World Series, we'd be having an entirely different conversation. And for that matter, if the Brewers had held a lead for a 2X rating at the Wild Card game, we'd be having an entirely different conversation because we wouldn't be talking about the Nationals as a blueprint for success at all. Um, So I don't know if there's necessarily a takeaway from this. I do think it was a a very fun World Series. Um, It got off to kind of a slow start, but it really picked up late. Um, I think that's good for the game as a whole, but I don't know if there's necessarily a player development or a team-building strategy specifically to take away from this.
1: Do you sense from Brewers fans that there is more frustration in the sense that they almost beat the Nationals and the Dodgers went down and, hey, it could have been then or more optimism in the sense that, you know, the Nationals were a wild-card team and if the Nationals can win the World Series, the Brewers can. What's, the, what's kind of the general viewpoint that you sense?
2: I'm sure there's a little bit of both. I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, it, it is hard to, to watch the Nationals do everything they did and recognize that uh, the Brewers certainly had an opportunity um, to knock them off early and then anything could have happened. You know, it, it's a—it's kind of a crapshoot all the way through the postseason, and there's no guarantee that if the Brewers had beaten the Nationals, the Brewers would have gotten to take the Nationals' place all the way up the ladder. But they were pretty close to having a shot at it, uh, and so I'm sure there's some of that. Um, and really, when you look across the board, when you look at the other side of the Astros, there's a, a reminder that you know sometimes no matter how good you are, you're just not quite as good as. The team that the super teams out there, you know, that the Astros are a perfect example of a team that was constructed to be, you know, maybe one of the best in baseball history, not just the best this year. Yeah. Uh, but by the same token, so were the Dodgers, um, and sometimes you just run into that.
1: Kyle Loebner is continuing to join us. It's Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. As the team goes into the offseason, clearly the biggest questions uh, revolve around third base and catcher where this past week both Mike Moustakis and Yasmani Grandal opt out of the mutual option, which we knew that they were going to do how what what's your concern level at at this point that and we'll get into whether or not that the Brewers can re-sign those guys but just from a very general perspective of third base and catcher knowing the production level you got from those two positions this past season what's your concern level about that being th- those positions being filled going into the offseason?
2: Well, I mean, it's a little early to be very concerned, but I think there there has to be, you know, some cause for alarm there, just because you're looking at a lot of production that went up the door. Um, and for Yasmani Grandal specifically, it was a little bit of a give and take. There were some challenges defensively to go with him um, being a very good offensive player, but that's production at a position that's very difficult to replace, uh, and it's, you know, just look across Brewer history. There have not been a lot of great catchers in 50 years of this franchise, and there certainly haven't been very many great ones that have stuck around for a long time. So this has been something the Brewers have had to deal with, you know, for decades now. That it, it's really difficult to find an elite catcher, and if it if you get one, it's really hard to afford them for the long term. So yeah, it's going to be a challenge. The Brewers had a, a real luxury having a, an offensive catcher like Yasmani Grandal. Um, And I'm sure, you know, I'd I'd be surprised that there hasn't already been a conversation about the possibility of him coming back. But Grandal made a really great contract decision, kind of against all odds last year. He bet on himself. He took a one-year deal um, and had a a season that increased his value with that one year. And so I don't blame him at all for wanting to hit the market and look for a a really big deal.
1: You wrote about this recently at the Shepherd Express, just about the... the all the arbitration eligible guys, and since you've written that, a couple guys are—you are, know—they've—they've they've, uh, optioned off, and those players have elected free agency. But there's still a lot of arbitration eligible players this year, most of which you would think would be tendered contracts. Some, like a Josh Hader, is due for a really, really big raise. How much is this team going to be forced to raise payroll just based off the arbitration eligible guys that they've got?
2: Well, I mean, at least at present, they have a a bunch of money coming available with Grandal and Moustakis leaving. Um, So I don't know if they necessarily need to raise payroll to keep the group they have, but if they want to add much else, they probably do need to. Um, And, you know, when you look across teams in markets like Milwaukee across baseball, uh, the Brewers had sat for a long time around that 100, 110 million mark Um, and kind of treated that as maxing out. Um, But that is about. Thirty or $40 million less than, for example, what the Twins were spending year-to-year, uh, what the Tigers were spending year-to-year, what the Royals had spent at times, um, there is reason to believe that the Milwaukee market can support at least as much as any of those markets can support. And so I, I do think, you know, the Brewers obviously blew past that number this year. They went up into the 140s. But I feel like based on um, ticket sales, which is only a small portion of it, but nonetheless, uh, and a new TV deal, um, plus the fact that they have an opportunity to win, I think the Brewers should be able to economically afford to do at least what you know, some of their contemporaries in similar-sized markets around the Midwest can do.
1: It's and kind of circling back to Mustakis and Grandall and I've been saying this for a while, because of the offensive production you got at those spots, even if neither of those players come back, you still have to go into next season – with a plan to replace at least a large percentage of that production. So that's going to require some money being spent at third, some money being spent at catcher, whether that's free agents or whether that's acquiring players with somewhat large contracts from other from other teams. So I understand what you're saying in the sense that money's coming open. So just based off arbitration eligible players, they're not going to have to raise payroll. But isn't it safe to say that if they want to find a way to replace at least a a large percentage of the production they got at third and catcher, that it is going to require some money?
2: Well, yeah, of course it is. Anytime you want to upgrade, it's going to cost you something. Um, Unless, until or unless, the brewers are willing to raid the um, relatively limited, um, at least based on national viewpoint, stock in their farm system to, you know, find an upgrade on the trade market. Um, Yeah, the brewers are going to have to pay if they want to, a catcher or a third baseman of Grandal or Mustakis' caliber; uh, those kinds of guys don't just grow on trees. Now, I think they would also tell you that, despite the season they had, there are some guys on this roster that had kind of outlier down years offensively. And so, you know, I, I think they're hoping any plan for a big season might include a bone stack from a guy like Orlando Arcia, um, who it seems like the Brewers are. Um, at least relatively committed to at this point, having gotten rid of both Hernan Perez and Corey Spangenberg in the last couple weeks. I think they would tell you that they feel like Lorenzo Cain is probably a better offensive player than he was this year. And so if they get bounced back years at either of those positions, that does eat up a little bit of that gap.
1: I was a, l- I was a little surprised that they moved on from Corey Spangenberg. Were you at all surprised on that?
2: Uh, not tremendously. Um, you know, it, it would have been nice to have some, you know, kind of depth opportunities uh, just to, to push guys in spring training a little bit and give him an opportunity to compete for a job. But when you're talking about giving out arbitration contracts, um, you're operating with at least some certainty that guy is going to be around. And so I wouldn't be shocked if you see Corey Spangenberg, you know, go explore the market and then return to Milwaukee on a minor league deal uh, with an opportunity to compete for playing time next spring. But the numbers that he has put up offensively, you know, over some time in the big leagues now, just really didn't make him a guy the Brewers needed to lock down at this point.
1: That's fair. Um,. Before we get you out of here, I just want to make reference to uh, a recent piece that you had at the Timber Rattlers website, uh, where you were focusing in on, on one of the uh, former coaches, one of the former coaches uh, with the Timber Rattlers, in Fidel Pena, who is now going to be serving as the manager with the uh, with the Dominican uh, Summer League team. It's a really good piece, and I encourage people to get to the Timber Rattlers website and uh, check it out for themselves. And you talk about some of the other individuals that have come. Through the Timber Rattlers as coaches and have moved on into larger roles inside of the organization. Uh, how much? How much does Matt Erickson, as a manager, really everybody around the organization enjoy seeing the success, not just from players from the Timber Rattlers moving up, but from other staff positions being able to find larger roles inside of the organization?
2: Yeah, I talked to, with this or about this with Matt Erickson for the story a little bit. Um, and Maddie downplays it a little bit. You know, Some of this, the fact that he gets a lot of new coaches year in and year out on his team, just has a little bit to do with the, the position of the team. It's the lowest full-season affiliate, so you're going to, by nature, get new coaches there. Um, but the fact that Maddie has been there a long time and, and the stability of this organization and this coaching staff, I think really does give uh, Maddie and the Timber Rattlers a, a great opportunity um, for young coaches to come in, um, kind of learn under somebody who has been there for a while, learn under somebody who's seen it all before, and then move on and be successful. Uh, and the Brewers have had uh, some tremendous, some tremendous results uh, from some of the retiring players that they have identified as potential coaches. Um, Chris Merring and I were just talking about this earlier today on an episode of the Rattler Radio podcast, but it'll be out this week. That when you look at some of the first-time coaches that have come to Wisconsin, there have been a fair number of them in recent years. And in the piece we talk about Fidel Pena, but we talk about Rafael Neda, who is also a manager in the organization with the Arizona Summer League. Um, We talk about Jim Henderson, who was a first-time pitching coach last year Um, and had a nice run of success. A guy named Heinle Stacia, who was a, a longtime Brewers minor leaguer and now is the base running coordinator in the Angels organization. Um, a guy like Chuckie Caulfield, who was also a longtime minor leaguer and now has been with the Brewers for several years as a hitting coach. Um, these guys the Brewers have brought in as first-time coaches with Wisconsin have been almost universally successful. Um, they've come in, they've had you know some learning curves, some growing pains, they've had to learn on the job a little bit. Um, but the Brewers done a really good job of picking guys who are going to be very good coaches, um, and the ability to identify that, I think, is a skill they sometimes don't get enough credit for.
1: What's as far as Matt Erickson goes, a guy that you make reference to has been there for a while. There's some I've I've felt you know, I've met my fair share of minor league managers who that's where they want to be. They want to be in the minor leagues. They want to be working with young players, whereas there's the other kind of type of person who is always striving, trying to move up the ladder, trying to get to the big leagues as a manager, as a coach. How would you uh, assess uh, Erickson and what he really wants to do in his career?
2: You know, the Brewers have found a tremendous thing in Matt Erickson because he's a guy who grew up here in Appleton. Um, He's a a Hall of Famer at Appleton West High School. Um, He lives you know, just a uh, couple miles away from me here in Appleton. Um, this is home for him. And so, you know, in just about any other organization or just about any other situation, Maddie is the kind of guy who would move up the organizational ladder. He's uh, the kind of guy that would, you know, do a couple years in low A and then maybe a couple years in high A and move up to double A and kind of slowly work his way up the ladder in pursuit of a, a big league job. For Maddie, uh, the convenience and the family friendliness that comes with being home is a a pretty big value for him. Um, The ability to to be here to, you know, go to things for those kids during the day before a game or the the ability to coach his daughter's basketball team, that's a pretty big deal for him. Um, And so in the meantime, the Brewers have found a tremendous value because they've gotten an opportunity to keep a guy who by, you know, all intents and purposes, could have moved up at any point over the last 10 years or so. They have a guy with that skill set still coaching at this level Um, and still able to impart a lot of knowledge to his players, Um, still able to do a great job connecting with young folks. And so you know, this is a, a deal that has worked out, I think, for everyone involved with Maddie being here, and I expect it to continue for a while yet.
1: Tell me, uh, you're you're still very busy. We were talking uh, you know, before we started recording the podcast. This is your third podcast that you uh, recorded here on a Sunday. Tell, uh, go through uh, you know, all your writing projects, all your different podcasts, everything you've got going on right now for people to check out.
2: All right, well, with the Timber Rattlers, as you mentioned, I have the Frosty Microbrews feature. My latest one is on Fidel Pena and Matt Erickson's Coaching Tree within the Brewers organization. You can find that on Chris Merring's Rattler Radio blog, or you can find a link from TimberRattlers.com. Um, additionally, Chris and I recorded an episode of the Rattler Radio podcast today. Um, it'll be up later this week where we talked about some of the stuff going on with the Brewers in addition to that story and what's coming up in the weeks ahead. Um, you can always find me every Monday at Shepherd Express, producing the On Deck Circle. Um, this week we'll be talking a little bit about the Brewers coaching staff. Um, and some of, you know, what I think is an encouraging development in kind of a, a strange way, in um, that other organizations continue to show interest in Brewers coaches. I think that sends a message that the Brewers are trending in the right direction. It's being noticed across baseball. We'll talk a little bit about that at Shepherd Express on Monday. And One of my fun projects this winter, um, Chris Maring and I, during the off-season, we have a a fair amount more time than we have during the baseball season, and we're both big professional wrestling fans. Um, So if you follow me on Twitter, at Kale Snow, um, on my personal account, you'll find links there to the off-season wrestling podcast. Chris and I are producing an off-season podcast where we talk about what we've liked in pro wrestling over the last couple weeks. Um, tell stories from favorite matches from days gone by, Um, and just kind of try to highlight the good stuff that's out there because it's a really great point in history right now to be a professional wrestling fan. Um, There's a ton of product out there, and so Chris and I kind of sift through it and help you find the best stuff.
1: Yes, I don't watch pro wrestling anymore. I used to love it. It's just kind of saying it's fallen off. I, I still enjoy, you know, people who talk about the the Monday Night Wars. But I keep an eye eye on things that are going on. I know about AEW. I know that this past uh, SmackDown that a bunch of guys got stuck in Saudi Arabia, so some of the NXT guys had to come in. So, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. I know that for sure.
2: Yeah, there's a tremendous diversity of talent right now. Uh, There's three WWE products that are all very different in their own way. Um, With NXT being a a relatively new development on TV, an opportunity to see some of the younger guys in the organization, and uh, an opportunity to see guys in a more of a pure wrestling venue as opposed to a sports entertainment venue. Um, Additionally, AEW has brought a lot of new talent to the, the front lines, including some folks that I worked with back when I was ring announcing. Um, And there's just a a ton of other products out there. And any given day, um, regardless of what kind of pro wrestling is your favorite, um, you can almost always find it. And so you know, it's it's a really good time to be somebody who really likes to curate things and share them with people, which is kind of what I've been doing as a baseball guy for a dozen years now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, great stuff as always. uh, On Twitter, find them at uh, Lobner, L-O-B-N-E-R. So B-Y-K-Y-L-E-L-O-B-N-E-R is the Twitter handle. Always good to catch up with you. I'm sure we'll do it again at some point uh, in the relatively near future. Hey, thank you. Have a good one. Kyle Loebner joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, and that's just about going to do it for the podcast this week. As always, do want to remind you that you can uh, always find Brewers Weekly, our Thursday night show that we do on WTMJ. It airs on uh, Thursdays where there is not a Bucks game. I think we have one this upcoming Thursday. Yeah, we do. So that's from 8 o'clock to uh, 9 o'clock. So in addition to this podcast, if you're looking for Brewers Talk, you can get it on Thursday nights from 8 o'clock to uh, 9 o'clock on WTMJ. Thanks again to Kyle Loebner for uh, joining us on the podcast. We look forward to talking to you again next week for another edition of Brewers x the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile.
0: Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.